Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, YA is sponsored by Book Riot's Read Harder Challenge. Book Riot's annual challenge is back. Once again, Read Harder 2020 has 24 tasks designed to help you break out of your reading bubble and expand your worldview through books. With new genres, new authors, and new points of view, the challenge will hopefully help you discover new amazing books you would have otherwise not picked up. Read historical fiction that's not about World War II, a retelling of a classic or fairy tale, horror from indie presses, and more in this year's challenge. Go to bookriot.com slash readharder to get the full challenge task list and to check out the prizing for those who complete the challenge with the bonus prize this year. Welcome to Hey YA, from great new books to favorite classic reads, from news stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book write podcast hosted by me, Kelly Jensen, alongside Eric Smith. We are recording on Wednesday, February 12th, 2020. How are you? So good. And as our listeners know, based on that day, something very special happened today. Yeah. And I can't wait to talk about it. Me too. But we will we will save that for it's, it, it, <laughs> it's so hard because we are emailing back and forth about it. And I, I wanted to keep emailing and then I was like, well then we won't have anything to talk about, which is a lie. We would still have plenty to talk about, but Yes, this is true. But uh let's let's talk about um we've been reading before we dive into this. Um so this morning Ugh. This morning, before uh, the big event, I started Minnie McGinnis's uh, new book. Ooh, yay! What's it? Be not here with me. Be be not here from me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the survival story. I can tell you that much. And I blew through half of it in no time because that is my jam. And the main character is so hard headed. I love her. I love her so much. And I am so excited to get back to reading that one. How about you? What have you been reading? Uh, well, I'll admit right now, I failed our <laughs> listeners because I have read nothing. Yeah. I was recovering from travel yeah. from my little book tour and then getting caught up on work and now getting ready to go again. So I'm sorry, dear Hayway listeners. <laughs> I've read nothing. Um, although, wait, maybe that's actually true because I started reading Case and Calendar's, um, oh dear, is it called King of the Dragonflies? Is that the, oh, the yeah, name yeah, of the yeah, book? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got the I got the audiobook to listen to on the plane, because uh, it's a wildly short audiobook. It's oh. a smaller YA novel, so the audiobook is only like six hours long. Oh. Uh and I got like a good hour into it. So yeah, I have been reading. I lied. Surprise. <laughs> and I've been I've been really into that. And I think I'm gonna try to do more audiobooks. I don't know, I was I was really locked into like nonfiction in my audiobook space, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It was something so comforting about having like a good YA novel in my ears on the plane. Uh, yeah, might be some changes. 
It's funny because I was that way too. I only listen to nonfiction on audio. And it's funny because literally like the minute before we got on the the phone to talk, I purchased the Jessica Simpson memoir to listen to. Oh. Um, like I'm not a fan of her. I have not watched or like thought about her since she did that show with Nick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But apparently everybody's been raving about her memoir just being so great. And Wow, really? Yeah. So I was like, all right. I went and read the reviews of the audio and everything. And I was like, all right. But anyway, that's an aside to say. Um, as I was doing the audios this year, I realized that I find a lot of joy in fiction on audio, too. And um, a couple of the books in my category were YA, and they were my favorites in the bunch. Fiction, just like one of them was the second book in Holly Black's Wicked King se- series. Uh, I hadn't read the first, but I still loved the second one without having read the first, which was oh, wow. I thought I thought pretty cool. Like that's pretty telling of a of a book being successful, um, particularly on audio when it's like you don't need the backstory to still enjoy what you get. Yeah. But then the uh, I, I was going to scream about this with you. I also read Not So Pure and Simple by Lamar Giles after your very glowing recommendation last time. And it was awesome. I loved it. Yay. Oh, that's excellent. I, uh, I'm so smitten with that book. Uh, I'm glad it's gotten all the acclaim that it has. Yeah, I was, I was really pleasantly surprised. Um, it's his first contemporary. The rest of his have been like thrillers slash mysteries. And this was just straight contemporary and a really fascinating look at masculinity and like what happens when guys who are, you know, the good guys discover that they fall into these exact trappings. Um, yes. And also the purity pledge thing was a riot. I just, so it was funny. so funny. <laughs> so now listeners are like, all right, we have to pick it up now. Yes, you do. Yes, please do. It's also so funny seeing that book marketed as like YA contemporary debut from Lamont. I'm like, no, who is this publicist? He's had so many books. And then I realized it actually is. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, I think selling it that way is a little weird because he is, he's, he's got plenty of acclaim for his other books. It's just, uh, I think his mysteries and thrillers are contemporary too. They just have that secondary piece to them yeah that's um, true. this one just doesn't have that mystery or, or thriller piece to it i mean unless you count you know is he going to get the girl or not a thriller <laughs> you know, or a mystery but let's let's hit our first sponsor so we could dig into like what you and i are both chomping at the bit to yes. talk about so our our sponsor today is diamond city by francesca flores fierce and ambitious Ina Solis, as sharp as her blade and as mysterious as the blood magic she protects. After the murder of her parents, Ina takes a job as an assassin to survive and finds a new family in those like her, the unwanted and forgotten. Diamond City, built by magic, ruled by tyrants, and in desperate need of saving. It is a world full of dark forces and hidden agendas, old rivalries, and lethal new enemies. To claim a future for herself in a world that doesn't want her to survive, Ina will have to win a game of murder and conspiracy and risk losing everything. Thank you to Diamond City by Francesca Flores. Yes. This was one of those like day one purchase books for me when it came out. Um, This is no longer the ad, by the way. This is just me. Uh, (laughs) Because it came out the same day as my book. So I went and I picked it up and it's like a big chunky book. Uh, I'm excited to finally have some downtime to read it. Yeah. Everybody who I've seen read it has raved about it. So 
That's a good sign. Yeah. Speaking of raving. Yeah. So let's let's preface this by saying, if you have not yet watched P.S. I Love You on Netflix, you might want to skip this segment because we're not going to hold back on, on talking about it. Uh, That's true. But for, the, for those who have watched it, this segment is for you. Today is February 12th, also known as P.S. I Love You Day, as it hits Netflix today, and both Eric and I got up early and consumed it before recording the show today so that we could talk about it. It's so funny because you you called it P.S. I Love You, and I totally pictured, like, Gerard Butler suddenly being in, <laughs> in this instead of the other one. Whoops. Oh, I just I just keep calling it to all the boys I love before number two because that's what it is. Yes. <laughs> so I did the thing where I took notes by hand as I was watching oh. it. Yeah. And uh, so like great idea in theory, bad idea. I went and worked at the cafe afterward and had left my notebook out on the couch and uh, some bunny decided to have a snack of my notes. So, oh, um, that bunny. Uh, yeah, so, you know, there's parts where it's like, I've got a note, but then also a chunk missing from where she decided that she really liked what I had to say. So, <laughs> uh, where to start? Where do you want to start? Um, how about, let's start with uh, the fact that Kitty is kind of the perfect younger sister ever. Oh my gosh, she is hilarious. Uh, and I just, I love the... Like, in in pretty much every YA novel where you have that, like, younger sibling that's, like, a little annoying, but Mm -hmm. means super well and actually ends up helping out a whole bunch. Uh, So, so great. I love that she just wants everybody in her life to be so happy. Yeah, And so, like, she does things that are kind of cringeworthy, of course, but you know at heart it's it's for a good reason. So, so that leads into, like, where I want to sort of talk, and I'm... I hesitant to say it because it makes me feel old, but like, man, their father is is a catch. And the whole time I was I was watching this, watching the dad, thinking, "Am I old because I am having feels for the father now?" Like, <laughs> there's a subplot in in this film that is about dad maybe getting together with somebody and. I just loved it. I mean, I was sitting there going, no, like, I really like him. But then I'm also like, I really like him and I want him to find a good, like, partner. Um, And and Kitty feels the same way. (laughs) (laughs) She even, like, creates this fake Valentine. So her father has been, like, really nice with the woman across the street. And uh, so Kitty makes a Valentine, quote unquote, from her dad to uh the neighbor and <laughs> like the neighbor knows that you know dad wouldn't put glitter all over the card yeah. but but like it's this gesture and this attempt kitty makes it's just so endearing i couldn't couldn't get over it yeah so what about kitty and you know sending letters that aren't supposed to be sent is mm-hmm. a <laughs> guess she has her thing yeah and i think that also speaks to like the good writing here you know because mm-hmm. like like, I love it when I read, like, a good YA novel where the parents feel very real, you know, and you're, like, rooting for them and you care about them uh, just as much as the kids in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought that was great. There's this really great part, too, early on where 
Lara Jean and Kitty are dressed up in traditional Korean New Year outfits and go to their maternal grandparents' house to celebrate. And I just love that they talk about their heritage, but it's done in a way where they also talk about their dad and how, for him, this is his way of, like, really reconnecting with mom now that mom is gone. And I just thought it was so sweet. You know, it, it, it was this beautiful idea of, like, honoring what that relationship was while also not being held back by the fact that he's a he's not in a relationship anymore like he still can find interest in in other people but hold dear that that love he once had yeah i mean we're rooting for the dead maybe jenny han will be listening and write a to all the boys i love before prequel we get the dead as a teen <laughs> i mean there's potential there, isn't there? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so tell me, like, what is something that stuck out to you? Like, what were you thinking about? We haven't even gotten to the boys yet. We'll get there. But I know. Before we get there. Uh, oh, goodness. Well, like, I was just, like, so, like, I don't know, like, shaken up in my little office chair uh, watching the watching the movie uh, when we got to all, like, the very um, – just these like very like wildly romantic scenes. Mm. I'm trying to try to remember a couple before like skipping ahead way too much. But like we have like the aquarium with like the jellyfish mm. floating in the background, and we have like the Valentine's Day moment with all the all the kids singing the boy band songs. Which I thought was <laughs> absolutely hilarious. I was cackling at that. I was like, no. Also, this makes me feel so old. I know, <laughs> um, but it totally made me think about like high school me and like teen relationships and those like super messy like first romantic moments as you're trying to like make sense of them um and there's just like so much of that and uh, it just like filled my heart every single time like the piano scene oh god we'll have to talk about that and the uh the paper lantern scene near the beginning oh, of the-, no, the beginning and that was all her too that was like so she's on her first date with peter and it's this big deal to her it's her first date ever and she is very much like i think she's very much in her head about like what a first date should be like rather than actually being 100 percent present uh until she decides to sort of take the lead and is like i want to drive i've got an idea and she takes him yeah. to this paper lantern festival and then it's very much like suddenly she's the one driving the relationship in a way that's just so so cool you're just like wow she really sort of stepped into the person she wants to be when it comes to a romantic partnership. God, that whole paper lantern scene was so beautiful. Oh, it was. And that she just knew. Like, that was the thing. She just knew. But, 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 can we talk about, this is, This goes back to the, the Valentine's Day scene. Uh, Peter reads her a poem that <laughs> she gets really into. And the whole time I kept thinking to myself, Peter is such a cheese ball. And this is before I even knew that the poem wasn't one that he wrote. Mm-hmm. I just, okay, I'll say it. I don't like Peter. I haven't liked him since the first movie. Uh, and gasp. I know. I thought Josh was the right guy. And then um, watching this film, I think that maybe her new fling might be. Her, her best choice. Maybe, maybe. I don't know, Kelly. Think I think the think the internet's gonna come for you. That's, that's all right. Um, so, so in in the film, Lara Jean is doing her 
community service, and she decides not to sign up for the same program that Peter signed up for, but instead to volunteer at Bellevue, which is a retirement community. And can I just say, Eric, when I am that age, I want to be in a Bellevue, and I want to be Stormy, because Mm. they were so cool, and like, when you think of older people in a retirement home, you don't think about like, throwing parties or you know, like being out on the lawn having a good time and yeah. i was like i want to do that like can i retire now and do that because that sounds pretty cool i agree and stormy knew stormy knew her sister and that's like mm-hmm. the whole reason she decides to be at that particular home right like she wanted to go yeah. where margo had worked yeah yeah which i think is also sweet given that like margo doesn't have a big role in this film at all there's only maybe one scene where she is is in it um but we, we feel her throughout because Laura Jean wants to follow in her sister's footsteps, at least when it comes to, like, what community service she does and, and to establish sort of those really important relationships with people outside the family, too. So this is, this is where we get to the second boy. In the previous film, when Kitty sent those letters out, one ended up with John Ambrose, and John Ambrose had moved when they were younger, and yet... He writes a letter back, and Laura Jean gets the letter, and then, as luck would have it, he is also volunteering at the same retirement community that Laura Jean is, so... (gasps) Gasp. Gasp. They reconnect. What did you think about that? Oh, my God. The (laughs) entire scene, uh, and I guess this, like, fast-forwards a little bit to, like, their their relationship, like, as we're exploring it through the movie, Uh, when we see those costumes... With the two of them as their kids. She's French toast. She is French toast. She's French toast and no one else is rocking a costume. He shows up with a devil egg outfit (laughs) on, which is the absolute cutest thing with the little red horns and the pitchfork. Um, It made me wildly jealous of parents who made kids complicated costumes like that because I was absolutely the same M&M from like age four to age ten. Oh, Eric. Eric, I was a picnic. Do you know what a picnic is? Your mom buys a red checkered tablecloth and glues some empty packages to the outside of it. And you are that oh, for many boy. years. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> no deviled egg or French toast here. <laughs> well, the two of them just absolutely belong together in that, oh, my God, that scene. It's it's really hard not to root for those two to end up together, especially when we get to that that piano scene where the two of them are like sitting on the piano. He's playing the song for her, and like there's all these like really long like pregnant pauses in between the musical notes while they're talking, like super swoons. Oh, I had so many swoons just watching the two of them together, and then um, there's this really important scene where they decide they're going to dig up their old time capsule from uh, where they used to play as kids. So it's Laura Jean, it's John Ambrose, it's also Peter and his ex, Jen, all going to dig up this Mm. relic of their past. And it doesn't go very well, does it? It does not. But the, (laughs) the wonderful, like, reveal that happens there is with those friendship bracelets with, uh, with Peter's ex and, and Laura, because like, I feel like we've talked a lot about, like, friendship breakup books recently, uh, and I love that you're seeing some elements of that here, but I forgot how interesting, like, friendship get-back-together stories can be, mm-hmm. you know? Um, like, you know, we don't exactly see that in here, you know, there's, like, a little bit of those two, like, mending a little, 
But I don't know. I, 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 it got me thinking about stories like that. Yeah, I feel like, and I think when the third movie comes out, we'll see more of it. But yeah, I thought that the way we see Lara Jean look at Jen less as somebody she needed to have as this enemy because of what was going on between them when it came to Peter. But I love that it was this moment where she connects with another girl and it's like, aha, something clicks in her head. Like, yeah. she doesn't have to be my enemy. You know, like, we can we can have a lot of things in common. We can be really kind with one another. We can be compassionate with one another and not let this dude be the reason that that can't happen. Yeah, no, absolutely. So something I was thinking about as I was watching this, and I know this is going to be a weird observation, but there appear to be no unattractive boys at all in Adler High School. <laughs> like, literally everyone walking down the hallway, like, even who I think they were trying to make to be, like, the nerds. No, mm-hmm. not at all. They're all shoved in the lockers. That That's what it is. <laughs> okay. much, like, much like Much like I was in high school, uh, they're <laughs> in the lockers. <laughs> Well, suddenly that makes a lot more sense because I'm like, yeah. this is not what my high school was like at all. I mean, obviously it's fictionalized, but also there weren't that many good looking people wandering around, you know? Yeah. No, it's because me and my people go in the lockers. That's where we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Can we talk about the sponsor placement? I can't tell if it was real or not, but uh, there was a really slick like subway placement in there. There's a scene... Uh, where they're eating lunch and it's very clearly Subway. And then at the party that Lara Jean and uh, John Ambrose put together for the retirement facility, it seems like it was sponsored by Bubbly, the Pepsi product. Really? I don't even notice. I did. <laughs> I don't know what that <laughs> says about me. But I was watching it going, hmm, were they product placement or like just accidental? Like, I don't know. Mm. And then I wanted to speculate on what that means, if anything at all. So like, I have this very complex relationship with seltzer because it's my favorite thing in the world. And I do not like bubbly. So maybe that's part of why it was like, in my head, like, oh, I know what that is. What does that mean? It means that they don't have the right kind of taste when it comes to seltzer. You like all these very judgmental, (laughs) like dumb thoughts. But (laughs) Product placement tends to work really well on me. I'm, I'm very easily influenced by stuff like that. Uh, I remember when I saw Iron Man for the first time and like when he comes home, he's like, I want a cheeseburger from Burger King. And you see him carrying that hamburger from Burger King. I was like, well, off I go after this movie <laughs> to go buy a hamburger. Um, yeah, I'm surprised I didn't notice that. That, that usually, that usually. So are you eating me. a Subway sandwich now? Subway that's like right across the street from my office. <laughs> Something else I noticed, this is kind of a weird thing. Uh, you have it in your notes to talk about the snowfall scene. And before we get into sort of that swoony scene, can we talk about how bizarre this, the fake snow is? I I mean, you are familiar with snow the same way I'm familiar with snow. And oh, yeah. it doesn't accumulate only on the grass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was pretty, uh, it's pretty not real. <laughs> yeah. I was laughing. It's like, you know, the special effects. Okay, not real. Fine. Like, you buy that. But then you look at the where they're at, and it's like the sidewalk is perfectly clear. Like, not even footsteps. <laughs> but the grass, there's like an inch of snow on the grass. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, if that's how it worked, I wouldn't hate snow so much. But that's true. <laughs> do you want to talk about that scene a little bit? Oh, yeah. I did love that snowfall scene. Because, like, we've had all these, like, really 
cute romantic swoony moments between the two of them. And then we get to the snowball moment. And they're out there in the snow. And, like, he's starting to say something as he, like, goes down into the, uh... He's like, oh, I love snow or something like that as he's going down to the front yard. And, like, he turns around and I was kind of expecting some, like, like big confession scene or something. Some, like, soliloquy there. And then Laura, like, owns him with a snowball. <laughs> uh, and I just loved that moment so much. I was like, oh, this this feels very real right now, like, interrupting their own moment. And then how it ends up resolving felt really real, too, to me. I I feel like that whole sequence of scenes there was so good in terms of letting Lara Jean have her like real aha moment too. Oh like, yeah, you know what it is she really wants and what it is she thinks she wants aren't necessarily the same thing. And I I think that that was a big big part of her having that like oh maybe this isn't what I want. Even though, mm-hmm. as as a viewer, me, I'm going, no, he's the one you want, not Peter. <laughs> because Peter, he's he's fine. But, like, also, he's just fine. He's not spectacular. Like, he's not the right guy. But I didn't write the book, and I'm not Laura Jean, so I don't get to make that call. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I loved how full of heart the movie was. And it just was such a, like, breath of fresh air and just so enjoyable you know like it it gave you the same exact feels that the first first movie did and i feel like that that's a really rare thing to experience oh yeah no i agree i agree you know what was really fun was that cameo yes (laughs) and it was funny because we were watching it and you were about 20 minutes behind where i was um when we were emailing and that like as soon as um i figured that out i was like there's jenny han and so i emailed you really quick and i was like the jenny han cameo is great it was perfect and yeah i wish uh, we should do like a best cameos roundup or something but i guess maybe that's not as fun if someone can't actually see the screenshot or the movie <laughs> i don't know how, how fun that podcast episode would be um but like like i remember like when we watched the when i watched the first uh movie with my wife and like jenny han was in like the dance scene or whatever mm-hmm. i like screamed and paused it and i was like pointing at it to my wife and she's just like can we finish watching the movie please <laughs> like what is this um but it's uh, it's just always so fun like when when Becky Albertalli pops up and loves Simon all the way in the background and like when Julie Murphy appears in Dumplin' at the end, mm-hmm. uh, that stuff makes me so happy. Yeah, I love it too. And it's just like, it's the perfect little Easter egg for fans who are like, I really connect with the book and then you connect with the author who gets to be in their own book. Like, yeah. so cool. So cool. Yeah, I just, I don't agree with Lara Jean's choices, but man, I, <laughs> I, it's fine. Like, I, I love yeah. watching her make them. And it got me thinking a little bit, too, about why do these movies resonate so hard right now? Because I feel like so many people, even people who maybe aren't necessarily huge YA fans, are discovering them and just really uh, being fulfilled by them. Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be something about those coming-of-age stories, whether you're reading them in a book or watching them in a movie or TV show, that's going to grab people, you know, because that that theme of figuring out who you are is just so universal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like these movies do it in such a, I don't know, it's in such a wholesome way, you know, like <laughs> you feel good afterwards. It's not like, you know, rewatching like a coming of age movie, like the hunger games where maybe you don't feel great at, at the end necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you might be right. Cause you do, you feel good the whole way through. Yeah. 
And you kind of, you know, like with a capital R romance, it's like you know that it's going to be a happy ending, which is, I think, something just like if we we blow this out into something bigger, is something I think so many of us just want right now, a happy ending. Like, I agree. It just feels so good. <laughs> I'm totally going to watch this movie again tomorrow. Oh, me too. I'm like... I have a long flight to California, and I am going to download it on my iPhone. It's, yeah, I can't wait. What do you think the meme will be? Remember how the first one, there was, like, a really funny meme to all the boys I loved before? um... Oh, yeah, people were doing, like, to all the, you know, whatever I loved before. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. So, P.S. I still love you. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. We'll have to think about this. Yeah. (laughs) Either way, I predict something will come of it, because how could it not? How could it not? So if you've endured our screaming about this and you haven't watched it yet, go watch it. Yes. Yes, please. (laughs) Uh, Do you want to do you want to hit our next sponsor? Absolutely. So our next sponsor is Ink in the Blood by Kim Smakel. Uh, Two friends who use tattoo magic to send divine messages uh, must rely on each other to survive when they discover the fake deity they serve is very real and very angry. This dark and twisty YA is perfect for fans of Lee Bardugo and Kendar Blake. A lush, dark YA fantasy debut weaves together tattoo magic, faith, and eccentric theater in a world where lies are currency and ink is used as a weapon. That sounds fun. Okay. So what do we want to dig into next? We want to talk about uh, YA rom-coms, I think, considering what we were just watching. Mm-hmm. Do you want to start this? Yeah, sure. So, um... You know, just this past weekend, uh, I got to go do an event with Lauren Morrill, who is a Hey YA favorite. Uh, and something interesting came up when we were talking, and that was, like, the difference between, like, a YA romance and a YA rom-com. Uh, and if they have different story arcs and plots. Because um, it's pretty easy to flip through, like, the 2020 releases and see tons of YA contemporary romances. Like, there's a bunch coming out. Uh, I'm excited for all of them. Uh, but what makes, like, a romance a rom-com instead of just... Like, a YA contemporary romance? Like, is it the fact that they're funny? You know? Because there are some YA romances I'm really hyped about. Like, like Robin Talley's Music from Another World that has a historical angle. And, like, The Summer of Everything by Julian Winters, which is, like, this really potentially geeky YA. But they're not really rom-coms. Um, so I don't know. This is something I've been thinking about a lot. Uh, is it just the humor that makes it a rom-com? Or is there something more there? That's a really good question because the first one I'm going to talk about is is one that kind of falls in that question perfectly. Um and and I'll just I'll I'll dig into it a little bit. It's Yes No Maybe So by Becky Albertalli and Aisha Saeed. Um it's about two teens, Jamie and Maya, who are canvassing together for a local politician. It's Jamie's cousin, and at heart it's also a, a I don't know if it's a rom-com now that we bring that up. It's it's a romance. It's a contemporary romance. And romance is like the big heart of the story. And there are very funny moments in it. Um, the two of them have this passion for going to Target and hanging out. And they have their first makeout in a Target dressing room. Like, <laughs> it's super cute and super fun. But is it a rom-com or is it a contemporary romance with, with humor? Man, now now I don't know. Um, either way, I love this one. It's it's a, a fatter book. I'm going to say it's like close to 500 pages. And it alternates between the two voices. 
And it is so fun. Um, I blew through it in like a day because it was that compelling. And uh, both Jamie and Maya are just great characters. Um, and I feel like Albertalli and Saeed's voices work together so, so well in this one. Um, and it's out now. That's yes, no, maybe so. Excellent. Um, so yeah, what I was thinking about this, I mean, there are there are a bunch of great YA rom-coms coming out soon, some that are out already. Um, I don't know, what if I suggest a YA novel that's decidedly not a rom-com to enrage and confuse <laughs> our listeners? I think I'll just throw it in there without warning. Um, so my first uh, YA rom-com pick is An Ember in the Ashes 4 by Sabata here. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's not, that's not it at all uh, what it is. My first one is uh, Tweet Cute by Emma Lord. Um so this is one of those, like, day one purchase for me. Um, it's a rom-com set in the world of fast food and rival grilled cheese sandwiches. Um, <laughs> and I don't know what it is about YA that has, like, teens in, like, the fast food world that, that gets me. But, like, you know, like, You're Welcome Universe, we had the, the, the fast food story. And Hashtag Famous, we had the uh, fast food uh, hijinks. And I don't know what it is. Um, but something there always hooks me in. Um, and in Emma Lord's debut, uh, we have these two rival foodies who are going viral after a bunch of, uh, snark tweeting at one another over, uh, a stolen grilled cheese recipe. Uh, yeah. And trouble ensues as a result. <laughs> I need to read that because grilled cheese, like that sounds incredible. Yes. There's actually, there's a really, there's like a hilarious photo of the author at her launch party holding like a big, like plush grilled cheese, like <laughs> toy at her thing. I'm like, that's, that's good branding. <laughs> I love it. My, uh, my next pick is only mostly devastated by Sophie Gonzalez. And this one I'm going to read next, I think. Um, it's compared to Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda and Clueless and wait for it, Greece. I know a lot of people yes. have a complicated relationship with Greece, but I love Greece. I grew up on it, and I can't wait to see this queer take on it. Um, I'm just going to read the little blip for this one because I haven't read it yet. Uh, summer love gone so fast. Ollie and Will were meant to be a summer fling, casual, fun, and done. But when Ollie's aunt's health takes a turn for the worse and his family decides to stay in North Carolina to take care of her, Ollie lets himself hope this fling can grow to something more. Dreams that are crushed when he sees Will at a school party and finds that the sweet and affectionate and comfortably queer guy he knew from summer isn't the same one attending Collingswood High. Will is a little more than a little shocked to see Ollie the evening of the first day of school. While his summer was spent being very much himself, back at school he's simply known as one of the varsity basketball guys. Now Will is faced with the biggest challenge of his life. Follow his heart and risk his friendships or stay firmly in the closet and lose what he loves most. That's only mostly devastated by Sophie Gonzalez. That sounds excellent. It doesn't, um, I feel like Dahlia Adler's next YA contemporary has some Grease influences in it. I might be wrong, though. So let's see, what is my next one? Uh, oh, Ten Things I Hate About Pinky by Sandia Menon. Um, so we get two books from her this year. Uh, there's the, um... Oh, dear. Curses and Kisses. Curses and Kisses, yeah, that uh, is coming out really soon. Um, and this new installment in the Rishi series. Uh, in this one, we have two frenemies that start fake dating mm. uh, to rile up their parents. And surprise, there are feelings. Um, I love a good YA rom-com with fake dating. Mm -hmm. uh, and her books are just wonderful. So I'm excited for this third one in that world. I cannot wait for that either because I think fake dating is like my trope of choice. 
Oh, yes. <laughs> My next pick is I'll Be the One by Lila Lee. And this one comes out, I want to say in May. Um, but the rights to the film just sold. And it has this just incredible, fun cover, uh, which is worth going to look up after you hear about it. Um, and I'm going to read the blip because I haven't read it yet. Uh, Sky, Sh- Sky Shin has heard it all. Fat girls can't dance, wear bright colors, shouldn't call attention to themselves. But Sky dreams of joining the glittering world of K-pop, and to do that, she's about to break all the rules that society, the media, and even her own mother have set for girls like her. She'll challenge thousands of other performers in an internationally televised competition looking for the next K-pop star, and she'll do it better than anyone else. When Sky nails her audition, she's immediately swept into the whirlwind of countless practices, shocking performances, and the drama that comes with the with reality TV. What she doesn't count on are the highly fatphobic beauty standards of the Korean pop industry, her sudden media fame and scrutiny, or the sparks that soon fly with fellow competitor Henry Cho. But Sky has her sights on becoming the world's first plus-size K-pop star, and that means winning the competition without losing herself. And it's the first in a series, too. I don't know if it's a duology or a trilogy, but that's I'll Be the One by Lila Lee. That one sounds so exciting. I'm so excited for that one. Um, so my next pick is uh, Rent a Boyfriend by Gloria Chow. Uh, listen, this roundup might be taking a lot of fake dating recommendations, but <laughs> I'm always going to love those stories. Uh, and I love all of Gloria's books. American Panda is a favorite. Um, and this is another one set in, uh, in college. It's another college YA. Uh, we meet a teen girl who hires a fake boyfriend, uh, to appease her traditional Taiwanese parents, uh, to disastrous results. Uh, and of course, you know, there are feelings <laughs> because that's how fake dating always goes. Uh, and I'm, I'm hyped about this. Well, they just did the cover reveal. I feel like just like last week, you know, as of this recording, uh, and it'll be out later this year. I got to hear her talk about this one on a panel we were on at, uh, YA NovCon earlier this year, and I cannot wait for it. It sounds awesome. Also, we know that to all the boys I loved before had the fake dating thing too. Like apparently, yeah, that's we, true. We do have a we do have a thing. Oh my goodness! Just wait, Kelly. There's going to be some book that's like teenager in the woods survivalism. There's a plague, and also <laughs> there's just fake dating somewhere in it. <laughs> that's going to be it. We're gonna Eric. We're going to write that book. Is what's going to happen? <laughs> there's the book. <laughs> My last pick is called I Kissed Alice by Anna Birch. And this one. Oh, it, I read this one. It's so good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, it's compared to Simon vs. the Hopi- Homo Sapiens Agenda again. And it's an enemies to lovers rom-com. Here's the description. Rhodes and Ileana couldn't be more different. And that's not why they hate each other. Hyper-gifted artist Rhodes has always excelled at Alabama's Conservatory of the Arts despite a secret bout of creator's block, while transfer student Ileana tries to outshine everyone with her intense, competitive work ethic. Since only one of them can get the coveted capstone scholarship, the competition between them is fierce. They both escape the pressure on a fanfic site where they are unknowingly collaborating on a graphic novel. And despite being worst enemies in real life, their anonymous online identities, I Kissed Alice and Curious and Cheshire, are starting to like each other a lot. When the truth comes out, will they destroy each other's future? And it has this incredible book cover. I think one of my favorite book covers this year. And that's I Kissed Alice by Anna Birch. 
Oh, it's so good, Kelly. I You're going to love it. Um, and my last pick is Verona Comics by Jennifer Dugan. <laughs> surprise, surprise. It's the author of Hot Dog Girl is back. Um, in this one, two teens fall in love in an indie comic book shop in a You've Got Mail-esque story uh, involving small comic book shops and large retail chains. Uh, yes. Super excited about this book. I have... Oh, God. I have the arc and I still haven't read it yet. I'm, I'm going too soon. Uh, and then I won't shut up about it. <laughs> when you got pitched the uh, advanced copy of this one, you forwarded me the email because it called you out on your love for Hot Dog Girl. It did. The publicist was like, I know you love, 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 loved her first <laughs> book. I'm like, okay, yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really hyped about this one, too. I've got a copy as well, and just it's it's near the top of my pile. So uh, that's our show for this week. Uh, All right. Thank you again to today's sponsors. If you'd like to leave feedback for the show and tell us how we're doing, it lets other people find us. You can do that on Apple Podcasts. And then if you'd like, you can follow me, Kelly Jensen, on Instagram as Hey Kelly Jensen. You can follow Eric Smith on Instagram and Twitter as Eric Smith Rock. And before I say you'll talk to us again in two weeks, here's a reminder that the next episode is our live episode. We'll be recording at the Bookstall in Winnetka, Illinois at 6.30 on February 25th. And we hope that you can join us. And I think that's a wrap for our show. Thanks to everybody right. for listening and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye.